Hello, mortals. We are your Valkyries, Miss Darby and Miss Charlie. And we are two ladies that twerk showing you how the strip club works. Just like you, you nasty girl. We will be discussing our experiences and opinions on sex work art and the erotic taboo counterculture we can't stop talking about. We are currently recording and transmitting this episode from our opulent spaceship of fiendish fun. Welcome to the Babes of Valhalla. Content may not be suitable if you are underaged, closed-minded, or immature. We discuss topics that are graphic and sexual in nature. This is part two, so if you haven't listened to part one, pause the episode and catch up on last week's episode because things will make a lot more sense. Have you ever wondered how the wet and wild ins and outs of the club work? Exactly what does happen backstage? Today we'll be pulling back the curtain and giving you a little peek at what the black lights don't show. In our previous episode, we discussed things like, how do you join the club? What are the standard elements that make up a strip club? What should you expect to happen on stage? In this episode, we'll be focusing on the back room. What happens there? How does the money work? Who keeps you safe? Who's in charge? All right, so let's jump right in to the fun part. What does happen in the back room? Dun 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 Sex. I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess sometimes, yes. Yeah, that that is true. I have definitely heard those stories from plenty of customers. Yeah, that's something true. And like found condom wrappers and and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, yeah, actually a club that I used to work at got busted and they found a lot of like used condoms <laughs> uh, like in the girls' bags. I don't know why you'd carry that around with you, but they found them like in their purses. So that's that, is, that is weird. I guess I've never heard about someone carrying a used condoms with them but maybe i guess because they don't want to get caught i mean yeah maybe they were gonna dispose of it later or maybe some of them still had unopened ones but Hmm. i just remember hearing after i wasn't working there anymore that it got raided and a bunch of girls bags got gone through and a lot of like condoms used and unused were found so it can happen yeah I mean, the back room or champagne courts, you know. Lap dance room. All that stuff. Yeah, they're all kind of different. Every club has a different setup. So some places, it's like one big room that has a different, you know, different tiers or different areas. They might have like couches for your VIPs and, you know, kind of like more close together chairs for regular dances. There might be curtained rooms, rooms with doors, Mm -hmm. a long hallway, you know, mirrored booths. There's kind of all different versions of the back room or the lap dance rooms, and they all have different names. You know, they can be champagne courts, VIP lounge, couch dance area, you know. That dark room in the back. (laughs) Yeah, with the glowy, glowy lights, dark glowy lights. And I think also with all the different rooms, 
like all the rules, the rules generally change mm-hmm. depending on the area, but also depending on the club. So yeah. uh, a lot of clubs, you know, the rules are not that you can have sex. The rules are usually that you can do other things, but depending on how private the rooms are, uh, things can become a little more loose, a little more fluid, mm-hmm. depending on what you choose and how you decide to approach your lap dance room experience. Mm-hmm. Totally. I know we've both known people at clubs that we work, and I don't know, I feel like the respectful thing that we've always done is it's kind of like a don't ask don't tell Mm -hmm. you know you're not grilling people on what they're doing you're respecting them and they're respecting you and you realize as long as everybody is not undercutting anyone you're not offering the same thing for the same price then it doesn't really matter but it is always funny when you find those those little things out because because it's generally done a little bit more secretively every once in a while you'll hear these little tidbits like oh this customer told me that that girl did that for them for 60 bucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I, think it's, I think it's always kind of, I mean, well, you and I both really like kind of figuring out or finding people's, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like secrets. Yes. So we're just like, ooh, that's fun. Like, that's spicy. Yeah, but, you know, as long as people are, Keep in, keep into the general, I don't know, golden rules of the club. Do whatever, do whatever works for you. Yeah, yeah. And I think everybody has different boundaries. And I think that's kind of the most important thing is that whatever happens in the back room is a discussion between the dancer and her client. And the price of negotiated, I mean, again, that's that's up to them. Some clubs are more strict or less strict about that. They let dancers, you know, pick their own pay scale. Other clubs have like a set, you know, this is how much this and this and this is. And then there's, you know, like certain things. um, If, like we were always told when we first started dancing that if a customer wanted you to do something extra and not extra necessarily meaning like a, a sexual act, but like choking or they mm-hmm. want you to spit on them or they want you to, you know, do this, that, whatever, that you should try to upsell, you know, and mm-hmm. you try to make your money on the other end on the tip side. So if you're going into a club as a customer or a client and you're asking for a service that is beyond like a kind of something basic or whatever that is, then I think generally it's expected that you're paying, you know, more for that because it's, more of a unique service and it takes more work mm-hmm. if someone wants you to spit on their face i don't know it's a lot of work <laughs> well so. you also don't know if a dancer is comfortable that you might be doing something yeah. that they're uncomfortable with so they do feel mm-hmm. that doing that does take extra out of them even if it's something mm-hmm. small it could be like oh i don't really like doing this but you know what if if it's a little bit if i'm getting tipped for it sure why not but exactly. I, I think that brings us to a very important point that we as dancers encounter a lot is guys saying, oh, well, they did that for this much money. Like, don't mm-hmm. ever assume that just because you got an extra special service from one girl that somebody else is going to do that because that might way overstep their boundaries. That's something they would never do. And each girl is using the club's rules as the basis and then building on top of that. So first of all, Mm -hmm. 
know what the individual club's rules are. You know, some clubs mm-hmm. are touching, some clubs are no touching, some clubs are the girls can touch you. And if you know what the basic rules are, then you can at least follow those. And then each dancer mm-hmm. can elaborate with you on how far she's willing to go. Yeah, and for how much, because yeah, somebody else might be very uncomfortable with something and so they want to charge more for it where somebody Mm -hmm. else is like oh that doesn't make me as uncomfortable so you know it's not as much exactly everybody just like just like charlie said you we all have different limits and different things that we're comfortable doing like even if it's a again not like a sexual act but it's something that just doesn't come naturally or isn't fun for you Mm -hmm. then you're only going to do it if it's worth your time it's only worth your time if you're getting paid more and that's kind of yeah again the negotiation between between the the dancer and the customer so the back room can basically be a land of mystery and possibility or cock blocking (laughs) or cock blocking yes yes uh one guy once wanted me to to um oh uh what is it called when you talk down at somebody you um oh like um Cuckold? Yeah. They want me to do that, but they want me, me to be, like, really mean, you know? And I'm not good at that. And I <laughs> just knew I wasn't going to be good at that. And I was like, damn, I wish I could just quickly pull somebody else or I could do this. But I would probably charge a lot more for that because that doesn't come naturally. And it, it would take a lot of effort <laughs> for me to be able to just sit there and, um, yeah, just – like, and just tell them they have a tiny, disgusting dick. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and look... I wish and, I would have been there. Yeah, look serious the whole time. Yeah, because you'd be... Because you want to be like, yeah, you're ugly and dumb. And <laughs> that's silly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, that would be so hard for me to do. And I would definitely charge more. But for some people... Um, oh, it's like... What is it? Like, is it disgrace? I can't remember. There's a word. There's a specific word. Uh, but, yeah, for some people, that'd be really easy. It'd be very easy for me, them to say, you know, you're a dirty pig and you're going to give me all your money because you're horrible and you're ugly and your dick is small and I deserve everything and you deserve nothing. And they could just like, da, 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 da. Be so, it'd be so easy. But I don't you know, know you're what? pretty good at it just there. Thank you because you give me strength (laughs) you'll have to be in the room with me like just put me on facetime next time yeah i will be like say can uh, i phone a friend jerry hold on (laughs) okay i'm ready you disgusting whore (laughs) and i'm like yes yes (laughs) you're doing you're coaching me through it like you're doing great you're doing really really great i liked that now tell him his dick is small tell him it's so small (laughs) You're like, okay, got it. All right, Jerry. <laughs> no, I understand that. I have a hard time when people want me to hit them. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, I can slap somebody. I think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with that. But I am yeah. always nervous that they're saying it to be funny. Mm-hmm. Or they, they're saying mm-hmm. it, like, the, but they're not being serious. And then I'll really do it. And then, and then they look at me like, oh, how could you do that? You just mm-hmm. smack the shit out of me. And it's like, well... You told me to tell to smack you, and I I asked you, are you being serious? Is that really what you want? Mm-hmm. 
And I asked you three times and you said yes three times. So I feel like this is your fault. I've had that exact so, same thing happen where I was so worried because yeah. the guy was really drunk. And I was like, I don't think you know what you're asking for. or I think you're going to think it's a lot funnier than it is until I do it. But I will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, exactly. I will hit yeah, you. Yeah, like, I will definitely want. hit you, but I really want to make sure that you're consenting. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think you think you're consenting, but let's give it a couple more, like, rounds of questioning first. <laughs> yeah, I think I only ever had told someone that I couldn't do something because um, I wasn't comfortable. This guy asked me to do... Like, he wanted me to do, like, race play. Ooh. Oh. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he, like, yeah, I'm I'm a, a white person, and this guy was a white person. And he, Uh-oh. it started out with the lap dances being because he was wearing women's underwear, and he wanted me to be shaming him about how he was, like, a little sissy boy and that type of thing, which I, I could do that. That was fine with me. And then he wanted me to spit on his face, and I just, I'm not a good public spitter. So I said, I'm really sorry. I really wish that I could do that for you, but I just don't think I can spit. I just don't think I can spit on you. I don't think I would be very good at it. And then he he said, okay, well, if you can't do that, then I want you to do this. That's and he really just funny. wanted, yeah, it was a, it was kind of, I guess, homosexual race play and me shaming him and shaming him for being white, shaming him for being a white man who was sucking off black men Mm. and you're like oh honey that's that's way out of your pay rate or your pay range right now like the amount of money i i would have to take to to even consider that that is i don't know yeah i don't think i would touch that i know yeah it was just you i don't think i'd touch that and i get i don't know i don't know if it's better to say oh i would be more comfortable doing that in like a closed environment but I work with a lot of uh, women of color and a lot of black women and uh, we're friends. And I just right. thought, you know what I really don't want is to ever make anybody feel, mm-hmm. I made me so uncomfortable. I could only imagine what it would feel like to somebody else. Oh yeah, and if I they just overheard thought, you, you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And like, I mean, of course, it just, it just felt so weird to me. It was just way out of my comfort zone and I understood that's what he wanted but yeah I was I just said I I don't think that's something that I can facilitate for you and and I felt bad because he was like disappointed but that's just not Mm -hmm. something that was Mm -mm. gonna happen Mm -mm. so you know everyone just has different boundaries and it's I think it's also totally okay as a customer to ask consent is so important totally so if you want something even if you feel like it's crazy or your partner or previous partners have not indulged you or been interested or even been freaked out. I can guarantee you there's nothing that we haven't heard. We we 100% want to to know what you want because we want to make you happy, we want you to keep spending money, we want you to have a good time so that you come back. And Yeah, and, and dancers are all they're already working in a sexual field mm-hmm. where sexuality and kinks and things are already on the table. So mm-hmm. if you politely ask, even if they say no, 
there shouldn't be like a, a shaming. It should just be like, oh, I'm not uncomfortable with that. But you know yeah. what? You know, you could even ask, this is what I'd really like. And if they're like, I don't like that, you'd be like, oh, do you know anybody else who would be able to do mm-hmm. that? And maybe like the race play, you go, you know what? I don't think anybody here would be comfortable. I'm so sorry. But if you, you should be able in a strip club to respectfully, within reason, mm-hmm. ask because that's kind of part of the allure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think the only times people get into trouble is when they don't ask and they assume yes. something is okay. Like If I'm yes. doing a dance with someone and they start trying to choke me or put their hands on my throat, I'm very uncomfortable because, you know, I'm, I'm pushing their hands away. I'm saying, hey, no, don't do that. But if they talk to mm-hmm. me about it beforehand and say, hey, I'm interested in, you know, is this okay? Can I put my hand here? Can I choke you a little bit? You know, it's like, just discuss that because then I can say yes or no or say, okay, you can do it, but I'm going to, if I squeeze your arm, you need to stop, you know? And everybody has exactly. different boundaries and and both parties can get what they want out of the interaction, but there has to be communication. And as a dancer or any woman or any person working in sex work, you should also be understanding and really consider your boundaries mm-hmm. and your limits and what you're comfortable with because sometimes making money doing something that, makes you uncomfortable sometimes that's not money that's worth making Mm -hmm. um for your soul and your emotional and mental health essentially because you know you just get burned out um i had a customer that would come and do lap dances with me a couple times a month and i left you know it just wasn't worth it i just weighed the cost benefit it was eight minutes of my life and sure it was you know sixty dollars i guess but he mm-hmm. made me miserable. It wasn't fun. I hated it. My skin crawled. I felt mm-hmm. uncomfortable. He just, it was, he was, he always was trying to push my boundaries, but not enough to where I felt like I could, you know, get him kicked out or that it was worth it to, to do that. But it, yeah. it was, you know, is this benefiting me? No. The rest of my night now I'm irritated because I went through that at the beginning of my night and I didn't want to do it. And I had the privilege the, the, privilege situa- the, the privileged position to choose not to work mm-hmm. with him. But I think I make more money overall now no longer dealing with him because his energy and the whole experience was so emotionally and mentally draining. Even though it was eight minutes, it affected my entire night. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it just, that, that 60 bucks just wasn't worth it to me. And of course, some nights, you know, maybe I'm thinking, wow, it'd be nice to have that 60 bucks, but... <laughs> But you not know. that much. No, I think <laughs> yeah, not that much. In in a job that's that's so draining, you you really do need to, you know, pick and choose those things that are going to benefit you the most. And maybe sixty dollars does not benefit you as much as you know a good mental state for the rest of the night. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree for sure. All right, should we move on to the delicious? subject of cash money yes Ooh la la everyone always wants to know how that money works but we're gonna break down how money works in a different way we're gonna look at not how much we're making but how much we actually have to spend and what Mm -hmm. money looks like within the context of how we handle it uh, going into the club, coming out of the club, dealing with everyone. Uh, it's a lot 
less glamorous, I think, than sometimes it's portrayed or people think of it. And Mm -hmm. I think as dancers, we also want to portray it that way to our customers. You want to make it just look like you're swimming in cash and you're like, oh, yeah, things are great, blah, blah, blah. That's not always Mm -hmm. the case. So let's get into the nitty gritty of how money works at the strip club. Um, Okay, so the first thing that that you owe when you walk in the door is you owe your house fee. And house fees are different in each place. Each state, each county, each club can all have kind of different ways that they do it. So some places you owe a flat rate, some places that rate changes depending upon what time you arrive, or if you worked a slow night, or if you know you worked a double that day or whatever. So they'll, they'll kind of fluctuate within the club. But that house fee, you're negative that the minute that you walk in the door. Some places want you to pay it before you start your shift. Other places you can pay it during your shift or, you know, by a certain time or at the end or whatever. Um, And then other places, I think that was your experience, right, was a Mm -hmm. percentage. I don't know if you want to talk Mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. So um, they tracked how much money you made on your lap dances everybody was given and we'll kind of go into other ways that this can be done but uh everyone was given like a little box at the beginning of the night and this box reminded me kind of of Mm -hmm. like a junior high like makeup box that it's like really small and it has one of those little flip clasps with a a, like a lock and the key is just like a janky little piece of like tinfoil essentially (laughs) you know but each one of us was given that and we'd put a little sticker on it with our name (laughs) and then every time we'd go give a lap dance they would keep track how long we were back there and they would count it up and so all of our lap dance money would go directly into the box And that way they could keep track of how much money we were making from our lap dances. If we made any tips that were extra, they could go straight to us. But then at the end of the night, what we owed the club was a percentage of our lap dance money. And we couldn't change the money. So we couldn't claim less time and have less money because our boxes were locked. And so they could always open it up and they would count the money and they would make sure it matched up. And that way every night, they would take, oh, you got here really early, so you don't have to pay as large of a percentage, but you still have to pay a 30%, uh, you know, of everything you made in the lap dance room. So, which well, yeah, is what was, bullshit. What was the percentage scale? It is bullshit. It was like, I think if you got there at the beginning of the night, it was 30%. Oh my gosh. And then for every 30 minutes you were later, it went up another 5%. Oh my gosh. Which is ridiculous because it does not take that long to get to 50%. You know what I mean? It only takes you deciding like, oh, I had a bad night. I had to get here a little bit later. Oh, now I'm getting 50% of my money taken away. Like it was so bad. Um, And... It sucks because if you make very little money, you're still getting a portion of that taken. And if you make really good money, you're still getting a huge piece of that taken. So flat rates are nicer. Um, yeah, I think flat I rates are nicer. And uh, like you can also have somebody sucked. pay them for you. Like you can have a customer pay your stage mm. fee. Because mm-hmm. you can just say, oh yeah, my stage fee is $75. And they can just pay it for you. Yeah. Versus if it's yeah. a flat rate, I mean, 
a percentage Every, you don't the, know yeah. until the very end of the night how much you owe. Yeah, and all the so money stupid. that you're getting for your dances. Yeah, I mean, that's that's crazy. I mean, but did they take out, like, so if you did your dances in the back, let's say your dance was 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. The customer would put the entire 20 into your box. Yeah, and the problem is the box said tips on it. So sometimes they'd also put your tips in the box. So I always had to be on the lookout for people to do that because if my money didn't match up with the number that they had, I'd also get in trouble. So sometimes mm. people would put money in there thinking, oh, this is her tip box. I'm like, no, no, no. This is my tip box for the club. <laughs> like, if you want to give me money, mm. give it straight to me. Like, you can put the 20 in there and then you can give the 10 to me. So that also could fuck things up too. Well, then I guess where I'm at right now, they kind of do something similar. We have, we had, it's different now, but we had originally a house fee. It was $13, but that also was, that included our DJ tip. So it was really a DJ tip was 10 bucks and then the poll tax was $3. Yeah. So it was $13 to work every night minimum. But then out of all of our dances, they would take a portion so like mm. a twenty dollar dance, they would take five dollars, and then a thirty dollar dance, they would take ten. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of like that. They were taking thirty percent. Yeah, but they did it like one dance at a time, I guess. Yeah, they did it one dance at a time, and because they did it that way, and we didn't have a silly box, it also made it easy to like hustle the club. Right, right, which is exactly what they don't want. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't don't know. know. Now it's different because now we're employees, but. It's ridiculous because they really just, they make so much money off the girls. It's so much money. And we'll get to that in a second with like the tip outs and everything. But, uh, I can't even imagine how much, with how much each girl is earning individually and then they have to pay out a percentage of that money. Mm -hmm. Damn. Yeah. And I mean, we owe so much money walking in plus mm-hmm. all the costs of everything that you need you know our shoes are not cheap they're mm-hmm. $95 to sometimes you know $200 depending mm-hmm. on what kind of shoes you're buying outfits are not cheap you might mm-hmm. think those little tiny bikinis are like you know what 11 12 bucks no a tiny well-made bikini can be $60 sometimes and you want it to last a long time you want it mm-hmm. to look good because you're washing it multiple times a month you know maybe even if you wear it a lot like multiple times a week and i feel like there's there's not that many places that sell like good dancer clothes so when you find Mm -hmm. a good dancer place where the clothes are well made they actually fit like what you want to move in Mm -hmm. and to dance in and actually like look good on your body yeah they know their market and they know that they can charge you 60 bucks easily for a bikini Mm -hmm. set so I mean, even getting a good deal on on clothes like that, it they 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 know that you can't find it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and then like, and I have a hard time spending sixty dollars on a bikini that I'll wear to the beach. Right. But I'll easily. I I recently just bought like a one hundred and twenty dollar custom made bikini that is beautiful. But yeah, Ooh. I mean, I couldn't believe that I was spending that much money. But you do because. It's your work stuff and you need to look nice. And then depending on different clubs that you work at, you know, you might have to have lingerie or you might have to Mm -hmm. have, you know, there's just a lot of expenses taking care of your body, your hair, your makeup, all those things. And yes, some of those things are tax deductible, but you're just paying so much money up front Mm 
mm-hmm. before you've even made your money in the night. Right. And house fees and a lot of the tip outs and stuff that we'll get to, I mean, those are not lawful. And the clubs are taking advantage of the girls because as independent contractors and or employees, depending on where you're at, those those are actually illegal. But the industry is created to take advantage of the people that are working in the industry. Yeah. And you were saying like at some clubs, the house mom would check off your nails before you could walk mm-hmm. out the door. So it's it's not like, oh, I can I can look all right. I can do, I guess, minimal upkeep and be okay at my job because there's certain places where – a, you won't get hired, and B, they mm-hmm. won't even let you walk outside unless you have a certain, like, level of aesthetic. Your hair, mm-hmm. your makeup, your nails, your toes, your outfit, your shoes, they have to be at a level. And not all clubs are like this, but, I mean, it is an industry where it's all about the whole look. And so mm-hmm. you have to you have to be on top of your game and it just costs a lot. And I'm a, I'm a frugal person and, uh, you know, there's no way to get around, to get around what you need, like the shoes, the outfit. Even, you can't buy secondhand, um, thongs. No, or even secondhand shoes, dude. I wear my shoes yeah. until they fall apart. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember, but I was <laughs> like super gluing my shoes back together for six months because they kept falling apart and I didn't want to buy a new pair. I had the money, but I'm just that kind of person where I will just keep gluing it together until it won't hold. And I finally <laughs> had to throw them away because you're so rough on your shoes. You're banging mm-hmm. them around. You're climbing on shit. They just fall apart eventually. Like the soles, the the straps, they just – everything deteriorates. They definitely do. And you can't just buy cheap shoes or wear regular mm-hmm. heels or, or any of that stuff. No. I mean, it has to be – specific to 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 the industry and so yeah that's kind of the house fee thing um and then i don't know do you want to talk about the couch dance and like champagne court stuff well i think you have more experience i mean i kind of talked a little bit about how uh the couch dances work where i mean like at the club you worked at before the club that i worked at as far as money goes you're the club is taking sometimes taking part of the money you're making there but it's really the tips that help yeah the tip is really where you make the majority of your money and then i think um so some places will do it differently where you have to rent a room or you have to buy a bottle of champagne to rent a room and then on top of that you have to negotiate as a dancer with your client what your time is worth mm-hmm other places have set room prices. So it could be like $250 for um, or $300 for a half hour, $600 for an hour. But then the club takes half of that money for the quote unquote room rent. Or sometimes it's only a third or sometimes it's 75%. Um, <laughs> it just depends on the club, you know, the county, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. what you're working for, the customer is paying $600 Plus, usually they're paying on a card. There's like a 10%, you know, card fee or an ATM fee that's exorbitant or whatever. So the customer is paying, let's say, $650 for an hour. And on paper, you'd be like, wow, she just made almost $700 in one hour. But 
I'm only going to be taking $300 of that. Then I still have to tip the bouncers, you know, tip all the people, pay the house fee, do this, do that. So really the tip of that $300, what I want to do is then get, you know, try to get a tip on top of that from the champagne court, et cetera, et cetera, to kind of make up for the money that never is mine in the first place. Mm-hmm. So as a customer, they're spending a ton of money, but you're not getting all of that money. So every place does it a little bit different. You kind of have to negotiate that when you move from club to club. And then how you collect it, like Charlie mm-hmm. said, in the club boxes or you have your purse or your garter. But then sometimes the club takes all your money and then pays you out at the end of the night. Oh, so I've never had even, that before. Yeah, like if they do card charges or, or whatever. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I have had that before with cards. Yeah. Yeah, they'll pay you at the end or or sometimes they'll take the cash for stuff and then pay you at the end. I mean – I have always hated that, but yeah. So yeah. sometimes you don't even yeah. have it until the end of the night. Which, I don't know. When you're working in an industry like this, you want your money in hand. I don't you want don't anybody trust else. Anyone. No, no. If somebody drops a 20 on the floor, you're not picking it up and saying, uh, did somebody drop a 20? You go, oh, look, I just made 20 more dollars. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. just the kind of environment that it is. Um. You're just talking about collecting money. I do want to talk a little bit more about this because um, I did talk about the club I worked at where we had the boxes, but I know the first club we worked at, we just you just carry a purse and you put all your ones from when you were dancing in your purse and then all of your other money from uh, when you did your dances, like your lap dance and stuff in your purse and all your tips. But um, that one's pretty straightforward. But I wanted you to talk about the garter one because I thought that one was so weird. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so when I worked in Florida, the club I was at wouldn't let us have purses, wallets, anything. So we had to wear garters around our thighs and then take a rubber band and rubber band all of our money for that. So if, let's say someone threw a bunch of money at you on stage, the bouncer would come out with a little broom and sweep it all into a big plastic bag and then put it in a locker in the back room with your name on it and the house mom would give it to you at the end of the night. But if you're just doing dances or getting little money on stage or, you know, whatever else, random tips as you walk around, stuff like that, you're responsible to keep track of it. And so if you didn't have a locker to lock it into, your wad of money on your garter would just be growing and growing and growing and either have to change it out for bigger bills to keep it manageable or it was just getting in your way. And I hated it because I hated, one, having people be able to see my money Mm -hmm. because nobody's business. I didn't like that it was vulnerable being out on my leg. I felt like I was constantly checking it, looking at it, touching it to make sure that it was there. And then you're like dealing with it during lap dances. It's in your way. And I felt that... You know, then you'd get like weird comments. Oh, it looks like you're having a bad night because you'd have like a tiny stack on your <laughs> thigh. And you're just thinking, just because there's $1 on the front doesn't mean that I only have, you know, $6 on my leg. It's, it. <laughs> I don't know. It was just super frustrating. I hated right, it. I you're didn't just, think there was a good way for it to work. You're showing all, you're, you're essentially showing the inside of your purse to all your customers all the time. Yeah, I would hate that. I would hate that. I hated my purse being even open when I'm around customers at all because, I don't know, 
I'm afraid they're going to put their hand in or I'm afraid somebody else is going to put their hand in or I'm afraid something's going to fall out or I just don't want them to see. Like That's my personal business, how much I'm making. If I'm making a lot, I don't want them to know. And I also don't want them to know if I'm making a little. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah that Carter thing. Oh, I would have hated that so much. Yeah, I really, I was not into that. But I only have sorrowful tales pretty much dancing in Florida, so... Yeah, they're all just real sad. <laughs> yeah, all the girls out there dancing right now, I I hope that you guys are having a great time because I just could not find my stride there. So, I don't know. So, we kind of mentioned the tip-outs earlier. And getting into that, there's kind of four basic areas that you're tipping out. Manager, DJ, bouncer, and house mom. And these are all obviously dependent upon if, whether or not you have those elements in your club. You kind of always have a DJ, a bouncer or DJs and bouncers, you may not always tip out your manager or tip out a house mom. You may not mm-hmm. have a house mom. We went over that kind of earlier in our um, first episode. But all those people generally want money from you and you owe them before you walk in. So a DJ tip out could be a percentage. They could all be percentages mm-hmm. or they can be flat rates. So when the first club we worked at, our DJ tip out was what, 10%? Yeah, it was 10%. Yeah, but the nice thing is they don't know what you're making. Yeah. So you kind of have to decide like how much – it's like you're holding, you know, some cards. You're like, all right, how much of my cards am I going to show? Because mm-hmm. if I tip too little, they'll know I'm lying. Yeah, because but- they can see what you're making on stage and, and they know how yeah. often you're in the back yeah. room and they can kind of assess somewhat. But they don't know how much people tipped you or any of that stuff. But I did th- – I do think our first DJ was about 10%. Yeah. Yeah, and we would kind of do like, I think, okay, so if I made $1,075 after I tipped the bouncers, paid my house fee, tipped the manager, and and then allotted for, let's say, 20 bucks for gas, right? Because we were driving mm-hmm. far. And I had $75, but I made technically closer to like 1300 but after all the tip outs and everything else i'm only going to leave with 1075 and i have to tip the dj i would give him 75 dollars because i'm going to leave with a thousand bucks right so i would just always try to round it i would never i mean because we never we believe in karma we're not trying to screw anybody over but right 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 of course it also i think needs to be fair so sometimes you know i would make uh, you know, $1,500 and I would, then I'd tip him 120. So mm-hmm. I think that it was fair the way that it worked out, but yeah, percentages or they'll have a flat rate where it'll be, oh, it's 20 bucks every night or 10 bucks every night to your DJ. But then that's the flat rate, which means that if you're only tipping that out, you can expect kind of minimum, mm-hmm. you know, behavior or favoritism because the girls that tip more get treated better. So then you always Absolutely. really want to tip more money, which means that it's not $10, it's not 20 bucks, it's, you know, more than that. Because you right. want to have the songs you want. You want to have the customers You want that the DJ money. to like you. Yep. <laughs> you definitely yeah. want the DJ to like you. It's, they, they can, they can definitely fuck up your, your flow a bit. <laughs> yeah, and your whole night and like your customers and, and everything. They're, I mean... There was that girl that our first DJ did not like, and he Karma. always paid like real, yeah, 
I wasn't, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, but he just did not like her and he always played really like fucked up songs whenever she danced. Mm-hmm. Like just things that were way too raunchy or just really dirty or just like disgusting. Every time she was on stage, just like And she was Nancy, like the cutest, sweetest, yeah. like super I don't know why nice, he didn't like her. Super friendly. Yeah, they had like a thing. They had like a, a an issue with each other because yeah, he would play songs that were like offensive to her. Yeah, that were talking about like I don't know, they'd like make the songs would be about like fat girls. Like he'd be talking about her weight or to talk about mm-hmm. like, oh I'm gonna bend you over and take you like an animal. Or just like ev- but it was every song. And that mm-hmm. was the thing. Is and it, so it's like she always had to dread getting on stage because she didn't want to dance to that and she felt mm. like he was like talking to her directly and then she has to stand up there and look confident and it, it was just it was I always felt like really bad and uh yeah sometimes you can't help it sometimes people just don't like you but if you can get your DJ to like you it will just help <laughs> it will yeah. help a lot no one hundred percent. And the same thing with your bouncers and your managers, you know, it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sometimes a couple extra dollars every tip out or every, you know, more often than not goes a long way because they can be more forgiving other times. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, by the time you're tipping everybody out, you know, even if it's the minimum at the minimum places that I've worked at, it's, you know, $10 to the DJ, which means I'm tipping them 15. I usually mm-hmm. do like, you know, five to or well like five the place before it was five dollars to the manager minimum so mm-hmm. it was like seven then the bouncers depending upon how many rooms i did or how many dances i did and how well they did because the bouncers are at the club that i'm currently at they are the ones that are in charge of the rooms we don't have a hostess so if they do a shitty job then i don't tip them as much but they also make mm. money off of our rooms the percentage of my room oh charge yeah goes to them yeah super frustrating so yeah mm-hmm. so i will sometimes i try to do like three to five dollars per bouncer or if they do a really good job then i'll do more and then the house on mm-hmm. is usually you know 10 bucks so you're already 50 to 60 dollars before you even counted in your your house fee mm-hmm. walking in yeah if you're paying for parking, like, mm-hmm. it just all adds up. It all adds up. Totally, yeah. Totally. And then there's always just little Wait. things, you know. Sometimes you have to tip certain bouncers more money because they hook you up with customers that have money, you know. like Right, right. Or they walk you to your car. If a bouncer mm-hmm. walks you to my car, I definitely tip them extra. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cause you, and you want them to care that you Yeah, <laughs> you absolutely – and that's the thing is – I think I know I said that you want to keep your cards close to you, but I guess that's just with all your money in the club. You just want to keep it like a personal thing. Mm -hmm. But I do think that giving a little extra, even if it's just a little extra, goes a long way with your staff because you have a lot of things to do. And the more they're looking out for you, the better everything's going to work. So next up is going to be the discussion between independent contractor and employee, which is kind of our last section for the money in the strip club. So, Charlie? I don't have so much to say because I've never experienced the – I've always been an independent contractor, never been an employee. What are the biggest differences? Do you have to file, like, a a (laughs) W-2? 
is that. Wow. That's weird. And then you're paying taxes on how much money you make? So every club is different when it comes to being an independent contractor or an employee. I guess every state or how the club files it. And I'm not an expert. There's actually uh, a really good resource uh, the Yes, a Stripper podcast does, I think, a couple oh. episodes where she talks about it. Uh-huh. And she is awesome because she's she works with trying to unionize uh, strippers in California, I think primarily in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So she's a great, like, resource for all of that. Like, I don't know exactly how all of that works. I just know that when my club changed over, like... Yeah. Usually the clubs give you an option. They say you can be an independent contractor or you're an employee and you usually want to pick, at least I was told, an independent contractor because you can kind of determine your own business and you run your own business. And whether or not you need right. to have licenses or, or whatever to work in a club, that's also state and county, et cetera, et cetera. But at my club, we get paid minimum wage for the state that I work in, but it's minimum bartender or like server wage. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not like the minimum wage for like a regular. Right. Yeah. So you're then, paid like three, three dollars an hour. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we get a check every two weeks and then they add in the amount of on the tip line, what will bring our hourly to minimum wage. And then we can request to have more money on the tip line if we want to. So if I want to claim that I make, you know, $300 a night in tips, then they'll put that on my sheet and then I will just owe taxes at the end of the year for that money. But then that will help with like, you know, they try to sell you on like, oh, then you can get a loan and like unemployment Mm -hmm. and this and this and this and like it'll be easier for this type of stuff. But I pay my taxes as an independent contractor even though I'm still an employee status because – that's how I claim my tips is through that type of income, I guess. I'm not really sure how I'm going to do it this year because this is my first year as an employee status, but still having a tip income. So I'm going to talk to my accountant, but it's very confusing. But those are That would actually be a, options. a good thing for us to find resources on and post them on our site. Cause yeah, that, we should. That, yeah, because that's... That's tricky shit right there. <laughs> yeah, and you going back to dancing um, mm-hmm. where you're at, they're doing a lot of that on the West Coast. And I think it's going to, I don't know, it's going to come, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how it changes because we really don't want to be employees and clubs are taking advantage and, and doing a lot yeah. of, I mean, like normal, but fucked up shit that's ruining the industry. And, and yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that's going to go, but yeah. Yeah. No, that that's that's really fascinating. I mean, are, are do you get any health benefits? Uh, if you're From- full time, I think mm-hmm. you have to have your employer has to offer you um yeah, health insurance, but yeah. We haven't even talked about that, so I honestly don't know. This is kind of new and Yeah. And we switched over right before the shutdown happened, so we really haven't had time to kind of adjust or or learn more about it. So I have to do really right. more due diligence to kind of understand all the ins and outs of that. 
well, it's a good thing for us to look into and learn more about. There's probably a lot of people out there who understand it much better than we do. We just need to find them so they can explain it. <laughs> you know, so if anybody's out there listening that that's like, I know all about this. I would love to talk to you. Please like, let us know because we would love to listen to you. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, then I guess we'll uh, move on to the last segment, which is safety. Um, this has to do with security this has to do with our general well-being and uh, just how safe is a strip club. And that totally depends on your bouncers and how diligent they are and how much they care and how much they pay attention. I know that both of us have had varying experiences. I think you definitely have, have had a lot more negative ones than I have had, but... Um, I still know people in the club who, who, if your bouncers aren't paying attention or if they're not being, like, they're not responding, that's when shit can go down. But if they're responsive, then, then, then it just, it saves you so much trouble. So. Definitely. Having a good security team is really important because stuff does happen. Uh, I've been in two clubs where mm -hmm. a gun was pulled. Once. Damn. The guy actually came in pointed it at the DJ, three different dudes, uh, security guys, as well as, or two, two security guys, one customer, and the DJ all, you know, rushed at the guy, and he actually ended up pulling the trigger twice, but the gun jammed Whoa. or never went off because Whoa. it was loaded. So, yeah, that's a crazy that's situation. Crazy. And if, if they're not paying attention... I mean, something really horrible could have happened. And I know that it's happened at other clubs. There's been, mm -hmm. we see it in the news and, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people who have gotten hurt because I'm not saying it's security people's fault, but the point is they're supposed to be your first line of defense. So you have to have people that you trust. Yeah. And they're important to make sure that, you know, customers are treating you well, that the customers are following you know, your guidelines or the boundaries, or if you're uncomfortable that, you know, you know, you have someone that has your back and there's definitely situations where, yeah, the bouncers just don't give a shit and they're just there to collect their money and kind of go and they see the girls as disposable. And that's a really negative environment to be in. Um, and I do think that nine times out of 10, unfortunately, the girls end up kind of protecting each other where, I'm walking past the mm -hmm. dance room and a girl is saying, stop. I said, no, I said, no. And I poke my head in and I'm like, hey, buddy, you know, she said, no, uh, give it a, give it a rest. Right. And I can be the bad guy for her and she doesn't have to, but also she knows that, hey, you're not alone. I'm here. And then that guy knows too. She's right. not alone. We're paying attention. And I think that that is... Yeah important and unfortunate that we end up being kind of the front line to our own security but that just kind of seems to be the way you know the mm -hmm. way that it is so like not everywhere not everywhere is like that i know that you know yeah absolutely i think that like strip clubs have a very interesting environment where there's usually alcohol there's naked or mostly naked ladies there's a lot of flirting there's a lot of tension there's a lot of emotions going around and when anything comes together it's just an 
environment that can easily breed <laughs> um, uh, like bad thinking. People get into fights. People get offended. You know, if they feel like a girl said something that hurts their ego or if another patron says something that hurts their ego, you know, it's it's just the right environment for for shit to go down. And there's lots of, yeah, lots of money, lots of girls, lots of drinking. It's like the perfect breeding ground. But I do agree that they need to be on top of it more than anything because we can be a good defense system for yeah. each other. Yeah, and there's money at the end of the day. And... We're usually, you know, bouncers are usually like large people who are wearing suitable shoes and have a tough mentality and they are not meant to be the good guys. And we are mostly naked on stilts and we're supposed to be like the entertainment so we can we can still defend each other but at the there's only so much we can do uh that's physically safe (laughs) yeah totally totally and against against you know a group of guys or a big guy or any guy oh yeah i mean we're we're generally vulnerable and that is a scary place to be in and it's not I mean, I feel mostly blessed to be, have worked in clubs where, you know, for the most part, the bouncers have been okay, but I definitely have heard of horror stories and situations mm-hmm, where, mm-hmm. yeah, the club just didn't protect their girls at all. And that's, that's a really vulnerable place to be because we're already vulnerable. We want to feel, we need to feel safe in order to do, as safe as possible in order to do this type of work and to work with. Yeah clientele the way that we do because it's such an intimate environment i mean even the first club that we worked at i don't know if you remember when that girl got like attacked oh i definitely remember when the girl got attacked in Mm -hmm. the back room she was she was i think she was like the only one back there at the Mm -hmm. time and the the customer closed Uh uh-huh uh-huh and nobody was paying any attention yeah because everyone's just getting ready to kind of leave and i think Mm -hmm. didn't we hear her screaming and then I don't know if we heard her screaming. I remember hearing about it the next day. I was definitely there that night because I remember seeing her face. I remember seeing the man that did it because he was giving me a weird vibe all night. But I can't oh, remember if shit. If and I could be remembering this incorrectly, but I thought I remembered getting dressed, hearing her screaming, and then running out, and then seeing the bouncers run in and rip the guy off. He was on top of her. Uh, choking her and she had like scratches on her face and like red around her neck and stuff and she was just like yeah I mean clearly super upset and they you know they took the guy out and the whole thing but you know what they didn't do is they didn't call the police Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know that's not that necessarily the police are gonna help but yeah I mean that guy just gets to leave and who knows what he's doing now but yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff happens. It's scary, and you can be in a situation where you're suddenly not in control. Yeah, there was um, there was a girl <laughs> at the club. It's not a funny story. I, I, I'm, I'm laughing not out of not because it's funny. It's just it's so it's, it's so unbelievable to think that you're in this environment that, for the most part, I felt safe in. 
And then something so crazy can happen, right, at our first place. And then at the club I was at, when I very first started, I met this girl. She started right around the same time I did. So we were talking a lot. And then I noticed that she wasn't coming to work. And it was maybe like a week she wasn't coming to work. And I was like, oh, have you seen this girl? And someone's like, oh, you didn't hear what happened? I guess a customer started arguing with her and she started arguing back and it was a a woman the customer like she was dealing with a couple and her she was arguing with one of the couple and the other couple took a beer bottle off the counter broke it on the counter and shoved it into her face oh my gosh yeah like horrifying horrifying stuff And it was so unbelievable because, you know, when you hear stories like that, you think, could have that been me? You know, could, I mean, we started at the same time, you know, I could have had a disagreement. I could have been upset. I don't know what she said, but it definitely, nothing you could say should ever elicit that response. Like it's, you know, so maybe she was just defending herself. Maybe, I mean, whatever she said, obviously. Yeah. She could have just said, hey, like, that's not okay, or da-da-da-da-da, but whatever she said, those people reacted like that, and she had to leave. She had to go to the hospital. They had to put all these stitches in her face. She was in recovery for a long time, and I remember there was a, we wrote her, like, get well soon uh, cards Aww. and things, but that I never saw her again after that. I'm sure. Jeez. Yeah, and how could you go back to work after that happened? I'd be terrified. Yeah. I'd be so scared. Did she, like, did did she press charges? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I hope she did. I mean, I think I wasn't there the night it happened. It was one of the nights I wasn't working. But I think they said, I mean, I think that the the bouncers grabbed them because obviously that's, that's not just like a small assault. That's like massive assault that happened. So I think, I think they were detained and probably picked up by the police but i hope so i was just in the moment more just absolutely horrified for her and wanting to know she was okay because we hadn't even been working there that long at that point it was maybe two months in and yeah so when you kind of wonder i mean part of me does wonder where the bouncers were while this conversation was getting heated Yeah, like where where were they? And that happens so often, you know. People, I had two girls. Uh, they didn't jump me, but they. This is between dancers, which is unfortunate when that happens. But these Mm -hmm. two girls that I didn't, well, I had worked them before, but I didn't know them super well. Uh, were drinking and whatever, and were upset because I was accused of pouring beer into another girl's money bucket. Which nobody listening knows me, but I would just never do that. And mm. I was new, so my first night at this club. So why would I ever do something to put me in a into that category of person? But these other girls were upset with me. They they dragged me to not dragged me. They were like, "Oh, we need to talk to you." They put me in the back room in the in the dancer like the the dressing room. I took off my earrings and my shoes while I was talking to them outside of the dressing room in front of the bouncer because I had a bad feeling and I wanted to make sure that I was in a situation to where I could defend myself if need be. And 
ended up being fine. We talked about it. It was fine. But they were very, it took, you know, it took like an hour. I mean, they were screaming at me. It was a lot. The bouncer that saw me take off my shoes and earrings walked me out to my car and said, oh, hey, um, how did that go with those girls? I saw you take off your your shoes and your earrings and, and I kind of walked in the dressing room and they were screaming at you like, I hope, I hope you're okay. Oh my God. Oh and my I just, God. I looked at him like, what the fuck are you talking about? You hope I'm okay. Where were you? That's your whole job is to say, yeah. Hey, let's go talk to the manager or Hey, you know, we're not doing this or, you know, whatever. But it's, it's like, what do you mean? So you literally saw a problem about to happen and you just said, well, I'll just check in with her later about that. Well, and we we both know girls who've been straight up jumped at work, like uh, yeah, and had to cornered go to the and beaten, yeah. And the girls who did it, we were not surprised when we found out. And you think in that moment they're getting ready, they're planning something. Nobody mm-hmm. notices. They don't mm-hmm. hear the other chick getting beaten because they they like terrorize that that woman. Mm-hmm. Like somebody must have known, or at least somebody else walking out of the out of that room, or or tried to go into that room and thought, "Oh, that's weird. The dancer room is locked." You know, <laughs> like nobody. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Oh, did you want to tell your Texas story? What's your Texas story? Oh, oh, oh. So the other thing that's really important is that you're walking to and from your car with you know hopefully a ton of money but also just you're walking usually either alone or or whatever people either know or think that you have money and you're Mm -hmm. a young woman and or a woman i'm sorry you're a woman walking to your car and the bouncers are responsible or should be responsible to walk you out so when i was working in texas i thought that was normal but Texas mm-hmm. is, at least where I worked at, it was in Dallas, and it was in a huge warehouse club. So there's, you know, 200 girls at noon, which means they have to have, you know, 200 parking spots just for the girls, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So it was a huge, huge, huge parking lot, and it was dark. There was not lights. It was so dark. And they just let you walk out the door. And I just felt like at any minute, somebody was going to jump out and murder me or rob me and... I hated that and it felt super unsafe and I didn't understand why they did that because there's only one door to to for the dancers to exit out of through the back so if you were aware of that you would just know that everyone coming out of that door probably has money mm-hmm. and they were working that night so yeah yeah just I don't wait know. out there and snag somebody exactly and I was lucky enough that the first time I went there uh I had a really good friend of mine that was traveling with me. And so he came and picked me up and dropped me off. Yeah. So he knew where to come grab me. But then the second time that I went there with a girlfriend of mine, we were both working. We walked out and realized our car didn't feel that far away when the lights were on, like when the sun was out. But our car was really far away in the dark. When it's dark. Yeah. yeah, And we were both really worried. I mean, we were were very uncomfortable with that situation. Yeah, I mean, a parking lot is also, like, cars create rows and people could hide behind them or they could pull you down into them and Mm -hmm. then people can't see you. And if it's dark, no, that's really scary. Yeah, that's really scary. I don't understand why they did that. But I don't know. Um, 
in Florida, we just had to wait for the parking lot to clear before we could leave, which also sucked because the club closed at 3, but sometimes we would be there until 5 a.m. just waiting for drunk people to finally get a ride home. Mm -hmm. And that was their way of keeping us safe, but it was miserable to just sit there and wait. Did you have a lot of dancers at that club? Yeah, I mean, there was like, I don't know, 15 to 20 of us. Oh. Maybe. Yeah. That's okay, like normal. I would mm-hmm. say that's pretty normal. Yeah. It was like a mid size, like small to mid size club. Yeah. But yeah, See, we. In, yeah. It wasn't Sorry. a big, no, you're fine. It wasn't a big parking lot. It's just they had made sure that every single car left before we were allowed to leave. I guess that's their way of trying to keep you safe. Yeah, but I also just felt like... No, it's shitty. It's yeah. shitty for sure. Yeah, because they would be there <laughs> regardless not, until sucks. like 5 a.m. because they had to do all the cleaning and everything. Oh so my gosh. I would. We, that would be so dangerous because I would just curl up on a couch and fall asleep. Yeah, well, so we would just end up waiting while they were cleaning because they're like, oh, people are in the parking lot. We can't walk you out yet. But then... Ugh. By the time the parking lot would clear, they'd almost be done with their cleaning stuff, and then we could all just leave. So, That's so dumb. Yeah, it, would, so it, dumb. it didn't matter to them. Like, they would get their stuff done earlier if we had to wait versus them walking us out. And I just right felt like that was stupid. But That is stupid. That's super stupid. Uh, this guy ended up trying to... to chase after a girl on her way to walking to her car uh, we assume to do something bad i mean he saw so the place where i work uh there's a lot of clubs in the area so around 4 a.m if you know the area you know most of the girls walking around are all strippers and he had actually been in the club earlier and had already caused some problems like with the bouncers and also with the bar saying that he had paid tabs that he hadn't. So people, he was already kind of kicked out. I think somebody even accused him of stealing their wallet. So he was already on, they were looking for him already. And then Mm -hmm. luckily our bouncers at the club that I was working at, they escort us individually to our cars. So as soon as we're ready, one of the bouncers will like take a break. He'll take us to our car and, um, when our club would finally close and everybody would do all their payouts and tipping, we would all kind of wait outside together. Uh, if, if the, you know, cause sometimes you just want fresh air, a bunch of us would wait outside and the bouncers would kind of hang back with us. And then they'd take one girl at a time to their car. And one girl was parked really close and she's like, Oh, I'm just right there. I'm totally fine. She starts walking to her car and we can see her. And about halfway to her car, we would watch this guy who obviously doesn't see all of us just sitting and watching her like around the corner see her and just start like booking it towards her luckily I'm standing with a group of bouncers and they this one guy next to me just takes off running and like tackles this guy and of course the guy was like oh I don't know why you're tackling me I'm just out walking around and then they also recognized him they're like you stole the wallet earlier like, we know who you are. You, we've been looking for you all night, so. Yeah, you're already on our shit list, mister. And we saw you, like, walking after, like, chasing after this girl. So please Chasing don't after even. a girl, yeah. So, I don't know. I definitely think that whole mentality of guys know girls leaving the strip club have money is definitely truthful. 
uh, and that you should just be careful. And if you don't have a bouncer, then do whatever you need to take safety precautions because you don't want to be stuck in a situation like that. Um, the last thing in regards to bouncers, I think is a common issue in clubs. And I think it's just generally an issue in any workplace environment is the concept of don't shit where you eat and it's having personal relationships romantic or purely sexual with staff and i know that this happens in every industry it's not just (laughs) happening with dancers but i feel Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. i have yet to see a positive come out of a dancer or people dating within staff in a club because it's such a weird strange Mm -hmm. environment and i just think mixing those things generally is not a good idea agreed i think we talked about this before where you know the 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 club is kind of this party environment and when you're there you're living this party environment but then when you go home you want to detach and sometimes i mean sometimes you could date somebody from the same environment and go home and detach but sometimes you can't sometimes you that it, it ends up it transfers into you taking it home with you also, when you're going back to work, now you're mixing like your love life, your work life, and your work life is a sexual place as well. Mm-hmm. So now your boyfriend is seeing you flirt with other people. You know, he's being protective or she's being protective. And it can just get, especially in this industry, I just think it can get really messy really fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and usually be explosive. I mean... Mm-hmm. I had the example of, or the experience of a club that I worked at uh, again in Florida. I came in one night, this girl, um, you know, hadn't been in for a while. And the house mom told me that her boyfriend, who was one of the bouncers, was mad at her for something, doing a dance or talking to somebody or whatever, and came into the club while she was working and dragged her out by her hair. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. It is. Yeah, and we didn't, and like, you know, within the next day, all her socials were gone. So no one had any way of getting in contact with her. Her name, her number didn't work anymore. Yeah. We were all super worried about yeah. her. And then a couple months later, she kind of resurfaced again on the internet. And, you know, I think a couple people reached out and she just wasn't interested in communicating. Mm-hmm. And they had a really toxic relationship. And, you know, he still continued to work there. Mm-hmm. After all that happened and it just was, yeah, it was just very, very strange. And yeah, I don't think it always happens that way. I mean, there's probably people out there who are dating people within Mm -hmm. their same industry, their same sex work industry, and it works out really great. And I think that's Mm -hmm. awesome. I would say the one that I see the most online is I follow a lot of, um, like adult performers who are in relationships with other adult performers. Um, And there's probably other people in this, you know, in strip clubs and in other types of work where that works. But my personal experience, I've just seen a lot of things go really bad. (laughs) Um, We had that, uh, that DJ at our first club and he was super controlling and super abusive to his girlfriend who was a dancer there and they were in the bathroom like having a blowout fight he ended up um 
attacking her. Yeah, Yeah. And we were all just listening to this. And he was, you know, I mean, we could just hear them screaming in the bathroom. It wasn't until after when she came out that we realized what happened. And he stormed out and left. And we didn't want him to be our DJ anymore. We didn't, you know, we didn't want that environment. I mean, we're all being protective of her. But at the same time, it's just so hard because then, you know, they stayed together or did they break up? Do you remember? I feel like they stayed stayed together. together. Yeah, they stayed together for a little bit. And then I think he ended up getting fired or mm-hmm. and they ended up breaking up or something because they weren't together for very much longer after that. But that was also at the beginning of when we started working there. So we weren't really sure like what. Yeah. Like we didn't know her very well, but we also didn't know like what. We were adjusting to the new world. Yeah. So and yeah. And it's also hard because there's that element where how much are you going to stand up to this crazy angry person who's hitting somebody and is also you're paying him to be your DJ? Obviously, mm-hmm. you want to think like, absolutely, I'm going to stand up. Absolutely, I'm going to say something. But there's also those instances where you don't know how to react. Like in that moment, none of us were sure how to react. Yeah. And eventually he got fired and nobody wanted him there. But I mean, I don't know. Sometimes those things are hard. Because also, you know, confronting him yourself in that environment is not going to, it could end up just as bad for you as it did for somebody else. So mm-hmm. it's better to deal with yeah. it with your manager. And, and I think, like you said, it's a tough situation and it's hard to know what to do and how to navigate that because it does feel like, you know, the bouncers and the managers and the DJs are kind of in charge. Mm-hmm. And we, even though we're paying them and even though they need us for their income, somehow everything that we have to say just doesn't matter that much. You're constantly balancing what you will and won't say. Mm-hmm. And with the likelihood that you might get fired or you might lose shifts or mm-hmm. if you're the girl that causes a problem or you're the girl that complains. Mm-hmm. You know, because you don't want to lose your job, but you also want to stand up for what you stand... believe in. Absolutely. Exactly. And it it's all a balance. Exactly. And I think, you know, confronting the DJ in that moment would have been a very dangerous idea. But going to your manager later and saying, I don't feel comfortable. This is what happened. And if another girls step up and say that, hopefully <laughs> something happens. Something is done about it. Yeah, we can only hope because can I, only yeah, hope. That was definitely. We can only hope. And every club is different. Every club has a different, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, environment and feeling. And some people listening to this may feel like they can't talk to their managers. They can't talk to their, you know, upper staff. And I totally understand that. And my heart goes out to you because I've worked in both situations. And it's really hard when you feel like, you know, you really have no one on your team. And as a dancer, you're the lowest on the totem pole. And yet, you know, you're putting up with the most shit and you're the one making all the club money and yet you know nobody gives a shit what you think or what you feel okay with or or any of those things and I think sometimes dating within staff just makes that more complicated because if there is an issue you may not know how the guy that you were dating and you are no longer dating or the guy you are dating is going to react to that situation they might react stronger in one way or the other or you know if there's a dispute between you and another girl 
and they're the one that's supposed to, you know, be fair about it. Human beings just aren't perfect. It's not possible all the time. And I think it just makes it, yeah, difficult. It makes can make your life more difficult. Now, of course, just like Charlie said, there's probably super successful relationships out there. People who met and, you know, married each other working, you know, or just are happy, whatever. And they met working in the sex industry. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I just think that you want to be on a level playing field with your partner. And sometimes if they're in a management situation position or a bouncer situation or position, and they're kind of above you on the hierarchy in your individual club, mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily put you guys in an equal standing. Whereas I can see how if you're both full service sex workers or you're both adult mm-hmm. film mm-hmm. performers, um, you're in the same industry doing the same type of job. You're on the same playing field. Mm, yeah, no, that's that's a very good point. Yeah, and just like how it would be, uh, you know, an uneven playing field if as a secretary or as a team member you dated your boss or vice president or whatever in your office. I mean, it just isn't the correct power dynamic, I think to facilitate from the get-go kind of an open and healthy relationship that you can navigate in a work environment just because. Well, and I think a lot of this, the same assumptions that will happen, like, oh, you just get special treatment because of this mm-hmm. or because of that. You're dating the manager. That's why this gets to happen. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of those things can happen as well where, I don't know, sometimes the girls can get pitted against each other because of those types of dynamics so yeah it's just something i think to consider when we're looking at you know just who's really in charge in a strip club and Mm -hmm. how how to keep yourself safe and how to just kind of make sure that you're protecting your business um and your Your money money. and (laughs) yourself yeah because that's what you're there for right we're there to make money we're not there to to date our employees or our fellow employees or fellow you know, co-workers and it's a, you know, sexually charged environment and totally there's attractive people on both sides, but. And if you're I going. I personally prefer to keep it out of my work space. Yeah. And you're, if you're going into a strip club, obviously you're going there to, you know, kind of lose track of reality maybe, mm-hmm. but, you know, I think it's still good for people who attend strip clubs regularly to also understand how they work and, Maybe take a peek behind the curtain, like we said earlier, mm-hmm. and, and fully understand why certain things are happening or what happens to that money or why maybe somebody reacts a certain way in a situation is because these are all the different things that we're always juggling. And mm-hmm. so that is one of the main reasons we wanted to do this episode. I guess that concludes our part two of two episodes on the ins and outs of a strip club. Yeah, anything that we missed or anybody out there thinking, oh, that's totally wrong. They got that wrong. There's no way. <laughs> I mean, message us. Tell us. We want to know. <laughs> Email us. Um, yeah. Any, anything at all. And we are going to be doing our last episode of season one. Yes. Yes. Which is like so exciting. Next week. Yes, next week. Yeah. Because we're soon packing our bags for Venus to work on season two. Yes. So. Yeah, taking a well-deserved 
break off planet, you know? Yeah, just, you know, a nice little R&R. Uh, so in the meantime, <laughs> you know, send us all your ideas for our next season. Our last episode is going to air next week. And believe us, we already miss you. In the meantime, to soothe your aching loins, you can find us on Instagram at Babes of Valhalla. If you'd like to contact us with an anecdote or a story for an upcoming episode, check out our social media for the themes we're currently researching. And send your comments and stories to babesofvalhalla at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And until next time, you want to say it, Darby? Stay nasty. Awesome. <laughs> Babes of Valhalla is written and produced by the Babes of Valhalla, otherwise known as your illustrious lieges, Darby and Charlie. Music provided by the musical genius, Gemini Genesis.